Oh no, there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the Third Party Podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast brought to you by Crossover Media. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? What's up, what's up? It is going great. Happy to be here as always. This is a packed episode. Dude, I love this episode. This is going to be a fun one. Before we get into it, though, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to us on YouTube, Third Party Podcast. We stream weekly. Uh, time updates will always be in the Instagram, the Discord, on Twitter. Um, you know, school starting back up. Henry and I have crazy schedules. We got freaking wildfires in Portland splitting us up right now. So we'll see how the stream schedule works. But right now we're four to six on Thursdays and we're going to be continuing that for now. But the stream's been getting good and you guys are really racking up those sub numbers for us. And it means a lot. A couple of you go over there and sub and we're going to crack 400, which would be awesome. That's true. Very exciting stuff. We've really been enjoying the streaming and getting to show you guys some Apex, not just tell you about Apex. Definitely. We got a good one though today. Today we're going to be covering something for everyone. We're going to be talking lore, competitive Apex, numbers, obviously, a lot of map strategy, along with some funny opinions. Something for everybody today. And then we got a lot of listener questions that we got from the Instagram story. So we're going to be covering a lot of your guys' thoughts. Before we do that, though, let's dive and do some reviews. First review today is coming from Hopper Move 4. Five-star review. Great podcast. Lots of tips, tricks, and useful information to use throughout the battles. And just a great overall podcast. The episodes release on Tuesday where I live, so always excited for Taco Tuesday. Quick question, what do you guys think of Bangalore? Do you think she should be buffed or nerfed? My friends think she should be buffed, but I think she's a somewhat already balanced character. Thanks for the podcast, guys. Keep up the great work. Yeah, what are your thoughts on Bangalore, Henry? You've played a fair amount of Bangalore. Yeah, we've spoken about her uh, on the show before. She is kind of inherently a very balanced legend. Mm -hmm. She's pretty versatile, um, doesn't have anything that's, you know, wildly overpowered about her. I think it's our opinion, though, that she just needs some attention. You know, Mm -hmm. if Wraith and Lifeline can get reworks, then why not Bangalore? And just something to spice it up. She doesn't need a change, but I think maybe we would like a change. Yeah, nobody thought Lifeline or Wraith needed a change. They just wanted to add the uniqueness to Lifeline's kit. We still have no clue why they did the Wraith stuff. And so we'll see. Hopefully she gets something. I think uh, her abilities are awesome, but it would be cool to see her get some of that uniqueness that these other legends are getting. Next review coming from The Dude Hank. Five stars, best pod. This is my favorite gaming podcast, and you guys deserve more than five stars. Thanks so much, dude. Hey, I mean, favorite gaming podcast, check out the Good Games podcast. It might be a close second hosted by your two hosts, Henry and Shay. <laughs> That's, we, we really try to mix it up over there, cover a lot of different games. Our last episode was just a blast talking Passion about one of all time favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a cool one. Next review is coming from Graham is Bad. 
Hi, it's me again. Sorry I was gone for a while. I got married and I am the happiest man ever. I'm going to become a predator on Patreon and I just want to say if you ever want to play with me, ask. Congratulations, Graham. Beautiful. Love it. Looking forward to playing some games with you in the near future. Graham was an OG listener. I remember, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, definitely one of our first uh, loyal listeners. So very happy to hear that you're back with us and super excited to see you potentially support us on Patreon. That would really be pretty awesome. Last review coming in from Resoles54. Great podcast for beginners and longtime players. I've been listening to this podcast since day one. I was level three when I started, and now I'm level 121. Keep up the good work. Love it. That's just proof that if you listen to the podcast, you're going to get better. Okay? <laughs> Start listening level three, listen for a couple months, get up to 121. That's just like cause and effect. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. With that, though, let's dive into some news. First piece of news, an update to the September soiree event. It is now back. We had a huge bug uh, take it down thanks to Dummy's Big Day, and now it's back up in a brand new order, starting with King's Canyon After Dark, which at the time of the recording is now over. Armed and Dangerous is next. Then we're going to go back to Dummy's Big Day. Hopefully it's fixed. And wrap it up with Live, Die, Live. What have been your thoughts so far on these modes, man? Yeah, you know, it's really fun to get LTMs. And mm-hmm. I guess I don't, I'm not negative at all about this. We pretty much know that the soiree, or we think the soiree was kind of a last minute cover up for some larger delays mm-hmm. of the event. And I'm glad that everything is working now with it. Um, but I love it. You know, Armed and Dangerous is my favorite LTM. I'm excited to play a lot more games in it. And then Live, Die, Live is one that Ooh, yo, so fun. was a lot harder than I thought uh, the first time around. So maybe I'll be better at it this time, but you guys will certainly get an update on the performance. What are your thoughts on them bringing back uh, some of the uh, Grand Soiree skins back into the game? Yeah, um... We have a question about this at the end. Okay, uh, okay. It's not directly about this, but I was going to bring it up. Um, for now, I'll say it's cool. What do you think? It's cool. I, I They preface everything in the skin store with yeah. that they have the complete right to bring it back. And, you know, I think, yeah, you know, it's cool to have unique skins and such and have your own things. I think the uh heirlooms are supposed to do that for one Mm -hmm. and i think that the you don't want to make new players feel completely alienated from looking like a beast in this game (laughs) yeah look good feel good play good exactly oh if you the spirits eye the katie goes up by at least two as soon as you hop on a legendary skin that's just does it data driven henry everybody does that i know that i don't have very many (laughs) (laughs) i think that kind of proves something about my KD. oh my goodness okay next piece of news uh huge shout out to the summit summer circuit champions for the apac north we had lynx th taking it home for apac south we had blackbird ventus for the EMEAs, Nasky Strafe and Dell took it home. And for the Americas, Counter Logic Gaming. This is a part of the ALGS, the Apex Legends Global Series. Multiple months of absolutely grinding for these playoffs. And these are the guys that took it home in the end. 
won a pretty good chunk of change as well for their region. Um, but it was, you know, it was awesome to watch professional Apex again. We got some thoughts, though, I think, to cover from this. You know, it's always great to see the best compete at, you know, the highest levels of play with everything on the line. It, there's nothing more competitive than the ALGS. Um, and this was kind of the first time these playoffs last weekend, we saw some serious meta shifts. You want to elaborate on what the current or what the previous meta was for us, Henry? Yeah, so essentially we've talked about the ALGS and the competitive pro scene on this show before. Um, And really it's been dominated by Watson, Wraith, Gibraltar, Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. Um, Deviating from those legends and a pretty set team composition uh, really hasn't been done in the past Mm -hmm. Um, earlier in the season uh, we saw a little bit of caustic play which was fun uh, but that did not last and you know we've spoken a lot about it kind of how things are slow to change uh, because these guys are focusing on maximizing their efficiency and improving their gameplay at the very highest level so it's hard to make radical changes especially changing your entire legend but that being said, that's how it's been. And in the next couple of weeks, uh, we are making strides to bring on some competitive players, uh, maybe some people that were in the LGS. So we'll, mm-hmm. get, we'll get the competitive perspective on this for sure. But that's, that's what I'll say about the history, I guess. Definitely. And so now I think we want to cover what happened because we saw a pretty significant shift from that in the past. Um, huge shout out to the Twitter account at Apex Sing Labs. I will be putting their link in the bio um, or in the description. They did some awesome stuff calculating out the pick rate for all the legends between the EMEA region and the Americas. And so we just want to kind of cover that and kind of showcase a huge change. Starting though with a not a huge change was Wraith uh, having a 100% pick rate. And so essentially what that means to anybody that wants the further clarification, every team in every game played a Wraith on every team. It was, you know, everyone's got one Wraith they're rocking with. And then we have Watson coming with a 69.2% pick rate in second. That was a 79.3% in the Americas, 55.55% in the EMEAs. So kind of interesting to see this description between them. And then in third place, we have the biggest change, I think, that we have seen yet, and that is Crypto. Crypto had a 48.3% pick rate for the ALGS playoffs. Absolutely huge. A 59.3% pick rate in the Americas and a 33% pick rate in the EMEAs. Henry, what are the thoughts? Because this is just insane. This is mega. Really, it is. Um, And really, it just goes to show how amazing the survey beacon is. Mm-hmm. You know, everything that we've been talking about for the last six, eight months uh, has definitely been true about the survey beacon. And just the functionality of being able to grab those survey beacons from a distance mm-hmm. instantaneously without having to contest or do anything uh, is a very valuable thing. I think that's a major reason why we have seen this huge shift. Yeah, I mean, we've seen meta changes for the public and ranked lobbies in the past and that still never impacted the ALGS or any competitive scene. And so to see this happen 
it can't be understated how big of a deal this is. Uh, the next legend in that pick rate order is Gibraltar with a 36.3% pick rate, 27.1% in the Americas, 49% in the EMEAs. Good to see Gibraltar keeping his spot near the top. And then we have Pathfinder. Pathfinder at a new low for his career outside of season one with a 28.3% pick rate. The fact is, though, it was a 12.1% pick rate in the Americas, but still had a 51% pick rate in the EMEAs. Kind of interesting to see how play styles are different between these two regions, though, in a way. What were your thoughts just kind of on the Pathfinder stuff? Yeah, I'll, I'll say that I only watched the Americas. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see Pathfinder pretty much just being tossed aside um, at the competitive level was uh, honestly shocking to me. Uh, I really thought that we were still going to see a lot of value in that zip line mm-hmm. um, just because it's such a big team utility, but in the Americas, no. Um, and I think just commentating on the numbers that um, Pathfinder had a 51% pick rate uh, in the EMEA region, I think that's really weird, mm-hmm. honestly. Like, I don't know how to really explain it, you know? Uh, we've heard in the past that uh, EMEA is a bit more passive and the Americas is a bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but staying with Pathfinder kind of just tells me that they are more resistant to change, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I'm not really sure. Um, it's definitely interesting to me. It'll be interesting to see. I, I will say, so looking at that data, specifically in the Americas, it was pretty much a straight swap of that crypto for Pathfinder. Crypto very much replaced Pathfinder in the America's team comps um, for better or for worse. I think it's cool to see other legends get mixed in there. Henry and I have our thoughts about Pathfinder. He was already kind of on his way out a little bit in the competitive scene and interesting to see them fully commit to it rather than make some adjustments to our top two legends, Wraith and Watson, which have been there for quite a while now. And I just have to say, this is awesome. This mm-hmm. is fantastic. Like, I understand the the drawbacks, but at the same time, I love the change. The mm-hmm. fact that we can have more interesting gameplay, we can kind of mix it up, introduce more legends. Like, how awesome is it for some of the casual players that main crypto mm-hmm. to now see what the highest level of crypto play is? Um, I think that's fantastic. Definitely. Wrapping it up real quick here, we got Bloodhound coming in with a 12.5% pick rate. Kind of crazy, 21.4% pick rate in the Americas compared to a 0% pick rate in the EMEAs. Kind of leads into that idea that the American lobbies are a bit more aggressive and Bloodhound kind of lends to that play style in general. We also have Caustic with a 4.6% pick rate, 0.7% in America, and 10% in the EMEAs. Last but not least, we saw a little bit of rev play between these two regions, a 0.8% pick rate, zero in the Americas, and 2% in the EMEAs. Um, Speaking on Revenant a little bit, though, you know, it's important to note that the EMEA and Americas are the two most talked about regions. You know, that's where data is pulled from. Uh, Those are the featured channels. Um, But while there was not a huge jump in rev play for those regions, um, the APAC regions, while there was no data pull, saw a huge jump in Revenant play. I went back and watched a couple of those, and Revenant was on a huge portion of those teams' lobbies. 
a lot of commentators have spoken to that that goes and leads into APAC regions having a more aggressive play style and being the most technically refined area. And when it comes to Apex Legends, but the teams in the Americas and EMEAs that have tried this have not seen the most consistency, which is the most valued thing. And in the future, you know, if we ever do come back into a world where we see uh, local tournaments and not online tournaments, we could see an aggressive uh, play style clash with the current meta in the Americas of positioning and kind of see how that turns out. And it could be very interesting to see those two go against each other. Yeah, I got two thoughts on those final uh, two legends. Caustic and Revenant really not being very prominent uh, in the Americas or the uh, EMEA region. I just think it's crazy for you guys at home that aren't professional Apex players and maybe don't even watch uh, the Global Series. Mm -hmm. Caustic and Revenant were the most talked about legends in Season 5. And they are nowhere to be seen in Season 6 competitive. That's interesting. And then the second thing I'd like to add is, where's Rampart? Mm-hmm. What Who the knows? Heck? Who knows? I oh, thought she man. was going to change it all up. I That's what they said. Not quite the case. Uh, competitive doesn't uh, really lend itself to fast change unless... It's the survey beacon. Yeah. I'm telling you. I mean, at least the games I watched in the Americas, no end game was necessarily, you know, exactly defined by an EMP. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily the crypto ultimate that was defining games. I think it was just what you said, a flop between Pathfinder and crypto just because it's so much easier to get the beacons. With yeah, them. I, definitely. I think that's it. And it's brutal. We also saw more respawns with crypto than we ever have before in ALGS gameplay, which was kind of crazy to see. And then I think the last thing we kind of know on this team comp perspective is between those two regions we talked about, the Americas and the MEA, uh, the most popular team composition was Wraith, Watson, and Crypto. And that team composition had a 40.8% pick rate with the next closest team being Wraith, Watson, and Pathfinder with a 17.5% pick rate. It's a pretty substantial drop between the two. Uh, A lot of the other team comps floated around that 17-ish percent mark. Um, Interesting to see Crypto really crack into that meta team. We might have to start running this squad and give it a try and see what it looks like in some ranked play potentially. It is a weird-looking team, honestly. And I'm Mm -hmm. excited because... Maybe as soon as next week or the week after that, uh, we may be able to get to speak uh, with some more competitive players to kind of break down the purpose of this team comp. Because yeah. I think at first glance, it just seems weird to me, at least. Definitely. But like Henry was saying, it's great to see the biggest variance ever in legend choice when it comes to competitive Apex Legends. And I think that's kind of our thoughts, at least on the competitive play. Do you have anything else to add? I think that was a great summary. We spent a lot of time on that, but this is the biggest competitive news we've had yet on yeah. this podcast. So I think it was worth the, worth the coverage. Uh, next piece of news and last piece of news, big Patreon announcement. We have been approved for annual memberships, which means that if, you know, if you're an ultra super fan of the third party, you can now support us. Uh, for 12 months at the price of 10, uh, you know, 15% discount on all of our benefits. If you make that annual commitment, we've already had one person do it. Uh, and it's great to see uh, this allows us to you know to 
reinvest the money and make more progress uh, into growing our podcast sooner rather than later. Uh, thank you to everyone that is supporting us though on Patreon. And if anybody wants to check out the annual membership, it will be in the description below. Thanks guys. Um, with that though, let's get an update on the quest, Henry. Yeah. So now that we are on page four out of seven, we're mm-hmm. more than halfway through the season six story. And I will add about the whole pages. It's complicated. It's kind of convoluted definitely because it's not page four. It's like page 44. Yeah. And that has been confusing. At least for Shay and I trying to explain to each other. Oh, have you read page three yet? Bro, I'm on page read- 37. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we're on kind of chapter four out of seven. So we're more than halfway. And essentially this season uh, on the lore story, we have two major mysteries. Um, one is Ash. And the other one, at least for Shay and I, is the rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of unsure about where the Revenant Loba and the source code with Hammond and Crypto's journey on the side with them. We're not quite sure where that is yet. Um, mm-hmm. And then as well as we don't quite know where Rampart and Blisk are in this whole season six story. Um, but that's so far. So we're halfway through the story. Um, Still don't know a lot about those later comments, but we do know some stuff about Ash now, and we can also kind of speculate a bit more about the rocket at this point. But diving straight into it, because time is of the essence. Ash. (laughs) Ash now, and spoiler alert, please fast forward three minutes if you don't want to hear this and you Mm -hmm. haven't gotten the comic. But Ash is dating Pathfinder. Good for Pathfinder. I don't really understand it. (laughs) The romance is above my head. Um, But how does she fit into the Apex story? Really, we're not quite sure yet. Why did the Syndicate or Hand Robotics commission Loba to reassemble Ash? Because I don't think it was for dating Pathfinder. Yeah, it was just so... As romantic as that might be. So interesting to see us go from Welcome to Olympus, locked up to our next, you know, time we see her being, oh, I'm Pathfinder's girlfriend. Like, a lot of stuff must have happened. That's a whiplash <laughs> for sure. But this week, we learned that Hammond threw out Ash, like, put her in the literal dumpster where Pathfinder found her and mm-hmm. rescued her. Um, we also know that when Pathfinder found her, she had amnesia. Um, She only remembered her name and that Hammond had taken codes from her memory bank. Now, this is some speculation. We really don't know what this information could Mm be. You know, we may find out next week. You know, I'm sure that this element will come uh, through in the next chapters of the comic. But we do know that Ash was rebuilt by Vincent Dynamics. And we've spoken about them before on our major lore episodes, which were mm-hmm. tons of fun. Um, and Vincent Dynamics did have the ability to create simulacrums. So there could be a long wraparound to the whole source code and Revenant plotline through that. Maybe Ash knows something about source code or Revenant or some sort of thing like that. But then 
in this uh, last chapter or page, Ash gets triggered and appears to now be aware of her past and is instantly contacted by somebody via radio saying that they should talk. Could this be Blisk? Is she, like, who is she reporting to now? Um, it's probably not Hammond because they threw her out. I'm leaning <laughs> towards Blisk. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to learn more about this storyline. I'm enjoying the comics a lot. I miss the, you know, playable quest a little bit, but I definitely like seeing the artwork, you know, behind all these comics and seeing the characters. Um, And while there might not be as much story told, I feel like what we're getting is very uh, substantial and the having the artwork to back it up is really awesome. And I hope uh, they wrap it up really cool and it continues in the season seven. That is my hope, I think. I'm enjoying it as well. I just want more. Like mm-hmm. I want more and I think we're gonna continue to get more. Um, you know, this uh this whole season I think has been impacted uh more than we know uh by yeah. exterior uh circumstances. And so I think we have a lot planned coming. It's on the way and I can't wait for it. Definitely. Let's dive. Yeah, yeah, you got it, you got it. The rocket. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is even a major plot point from Respawn's position. But, but it's I a third-party pod plot point. <laughs> we're tunnel visioned on it because I just don't quite get it. Yeah. But I've been speculating a little bit. And the first thing is some primary documents. Okay. Um, <laughs> the loading screens that you get on the Battle Pass, each of them come with a little paragraph or so of... Uh, information or lore Mm -hmm. and the loading screen for the rocket battle pass image is spoken by crypto and i will try to read it minus the korean (laughs) i'll just skip over it so it starts hmm hammond built a shuttle on world's edge during the seasonal hiatus but why the security on their flight logs is a joke It is called Arcadia. Flight clearance signed by Peck, Lillian. Looks like a generic authorization. Coded Brant PII. The ship has no offensive capabilities, but a long manifest. Looks like they're moving scientific equipment and supplies. Destination? Hmm. That can't be right. I need to dig deeper. I love it. Exciting stuff. You know, my first response to reading this is, is crypto in the loop? Mm-hmm. Like last quest, he was kind of an outcast after the speculation that he was a spy. Um, maybe nobody's telling him what this whole rocket ship is for. So that was my first inclination. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, I think that seeing crypto's relationship with these, you know, Hammond, the syndicate, everything is one of my favorite just storylines in the Apex universe. You know, his lore in of itself was kind of like the first uh, substantial one that we got. You know, we didn't, when we had Octane and Watson introduced, we got a lot of background on their characters. And then I felt like Crypto very much was ingrained in everything going on around him in the games. And so it's cool to see if that is going to continue and in what function it does, and who knows with the rocket on the way, 
We've seen crypto take down some serious things before, so who knows what could happen with this uh, rocket and crypto in the future. It could be fun. Absolutely. I have to say and add that I just love the diversity in the writing. Mm-hmm. Like It's not all about different identities and relationships forming, but we really like crypto as a character, and he's been through a lot you yeah. know, on his whole plot. but. His personality is very much, I'm in this alone. Like he doesn't really look for allies or friends necessarily. Mm -hmm. And that's not a weakness in the writing. That's actually really cool. Like a lot of the other legends are all, you know, friendly with each other, but not crypto. He's going to handle this by himself and he's fully capable to do so. So Mm -hmm. I, I like crypto and I like his plot as well. But some further, deeper digging get hey, your lore goggles you guys on. i don't think you realize how big of a deal this is henry is not one to go into <laughs> speculation mode so i am a freaking i'm as much of an audience listener fan as you guys are right now this is awesome to see this is a major <laughs> mystery show it's got me up at night but pretty much we know that this ship is called the arcadia now what that means is that comes from greek mythology and essentially is translated to like an untouched, harmonious garden. Very peaceful and lively. Yes. I mean, World's Edge has ice and lava. (laughs) So it's not really a garden landscape. So not quite sure there. But Crypto also says in that paragraph that the destination can't be right. And that makes me think, okay, could it be bad? Um, is Olympus a bad place for crypto? Because that's where we mm-hmm. all want the rocket to go is Olympus. But I'm having some second thoughts because crypto's home planet is Gaia. And that is a lot more similar to Arcadia. Um, Gaia is also in the Outlands. Um, you know, it's where he kind of had his identity stolen from him, where he was framed for the murder of his sister. Rampart is also from Gaia, um, where her shop burned down. And so I think this season we are kind of centering more on Gaia mm-hmm. than uh, Olympus. But Gaia is the Greek goddess of the earth, very much in my mind connected to Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Garden, Mother Earth, I see a very good connection there. And uh, like speaking of the whole Rampart and the shop getting burned down, We've already had some speculation about potentially Mila being big sister on the same planet, Gaia, all that. So a couple rough pieces to glue together here, but I think it makes me think maybe this rocket isn't for Olympus. I love it. I It would be awesome to see them go anywhere. I think the connection makes a ton of sense. I hope this crypto and Mila storyline is very much expanded upon. Uh, They definitely bamboozled everyone with us not going to a map this season. So who knows what they have in store. Um, It's going to be exciting to see either way, whatever they end up going with. Um, Yeah. Any other thoughts, I guess, before we move on to the main topic? That's all I got to say. I love it. Before we get into the main topic of the day, here is a word from our sponsors. The Good Games Podcast is brought to you by Henry and Shay. Hopefully you like those two guys. From our success covering Apex Legends, we have sought out to create a new project talking about all of the good games. 
In all seriousness, if you want to hear Henry and I cover games from a rogue company to Assassin's Creed, check out the link in the description to hear about all of the good games. We just covered one of Henry and I's top favorite games of all time. Check it out. Now for the main topic of the day. Welcome back. Thanks for uh, hearing from our sponsors. Yep. Um, we're really trying to help out on this podcast. And one major pain point that people have is dying right off the rip. It's a sucky um, it's feeling. Certainly, mm-hmm. It's certainly something I think we can all empathize with. And so this episode, we're really going to try to give as many tips as we can on dominating that drop and surviving fragment in particular. Because at least in season six with World's Edge, still with all the map changes, fragment east and west is where it goes down. And it's kind of the the most... Uh, condensed form of crazy drop Mm -hmm. locations so i think there's a lot to learn there and it's a good place for us to focus our efforts to try to improve our own gameplay and potentially help you improve yours yeah and if you want to hear about some of henry and i's favorite drop locations um on each map we've done episodes on the patreon for that incredibly specific guides henry made an awesome drawn out map on every drop location down to the building and the rotations out of it uh, talks a lot about strategic positioning as well. Make sure you check that out if you want to, you know, not have to learn how to survive fragment all the time. <laughs> Word. It's not something that I recommend doing every day, but a lot of these people that want to get these high kill games mm-hmm. kind of have to go there in order to get a good start at five, six, ten kills. So, Definitely. But first, before we go into the whole fragment situation, want to go over some kind of holistic drop tips and concepts. Um, first off, it's my opinion that Apex has four essential f- phases. First phase is the drop. Love Second it. phase is looting in the mid game. Third phase is the late game. And the fourth phase is the end ring. Sometimes you might not even get to the end ring. Um, sometimes games end at the late game. but Sometimes they um, end at the mid game. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we've had, we've had some like games on King's Canyon. 13 where, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like second ring. Mm-hmm. And that's weird. But anyway, because the drop is that first phase, it's really the first step at improving and winning more games, mm-hmm. getting more kills. And having more fun in Apex. So understanding how to improve your drop skills is essential to becoming a better player. Um, now, the overall tips that we have. We'll go through these. We just have three kind of overarching uh, tips. And the first one is the number one way to survive the drop is to drop uncontested. Scout wire in the drop ship, um, even while you're diving, to ensure that your team can drop loot and move to a fight with a very much decreased reliance on random loot chance and fighting a team with your fists mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is drop on one gun with an enemy and just pray that you interact with it first and pick it up before them. You know, it's just not a recipe for success and you're going to go back to the lobby more often than not. 
Yeah, as much as I want to do that, because I'm all strong, big Gibraltar, <laughs> that it just is a recipe for failure mm-hmm. and not consistent success. And so if that's what you're looking for, you really do have to scout in the dropship. Use that feature to your advantage. Number two, don't drop directly in POIs. Drop just outside of them so you can grab weapons, basic loot, and then come into the location and clean up the scraps and get some third-party kills. Yep, Um, love it. It's really what we try to focus on with all of our drops. Um, As much as today we'll be talking about dropping directly into Fragment East and West, we still have some tips on to kind of how to drop on on the border. And Mm -hmm. to capitalize on that success, maybe you're not going to get purple armor right away, but uh, you will when you're shooting somebody in the back. We love shooting people in the back. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it's the only way to go. And the last overarching tip is learn. Drop in the same location as much as possible in order to speed up the looting process. Um, It's my personal philosophy that I typically loot ground loot before boxes Mm -hmm. since I can always see the weapons on the ground, um, which is really going to be my first priority every time. Then I'm going to open the supply bins second. Yep. I think that's a good model to go by. There's a couple, how Henry and I, you know, orient the drop and something that I'll just cover real quick is that just having speed is most important. And so what that means is looting that same area and doing it with the same team because you can split up and loot as fast as possible to get to that third party of the bigger region as quick as possible, you know, mastering the drop pattern in a way. And so we do go for the ground guns first. The only situation is the couple times we might have one person that gets assigned to a couple of boxes first and then comes in and cleans up a weapon from somebody else if need be. Absolutely. And that falls right into that learning, Mm -hmm. like apply number three to be more successful in number one. If you're taking notes, (laughs) because if you're learning and you're really fast and you know the loot of a certain location, if you do get contested, it's not going to be random. Mm -hmm. Who wins that? You know, if you know exactly uh, what the patterns are, uh, hopefully you can get to the loot faster than these people that are not in their home turf. Definitely. Definitely. We got home field advantage at a couple spots for sure. Well, you do. (laughs) Uh, But this is kind of a, lot to chew on before we go into the whole fragment east and west i kind of have to preface it and say i wanted to do this episode because i think it's a great case study and i think a lot of people have some emotional reactions to fragment Mm -hmm. but this is going to be hard it's just straight up going to be hard um i was excited to do it but there's a lot of buildings Mm -hmm. and it might get kind of complicated We're going to start off by trying to lay out a visual map of Fragment. And I hope that it all works out great. Um, (laughs) We are going to lay it out, but then we are going to kind of try to focus that in and talk about kind of smaller sub areas Mm -hmm. to try to help focus. And that's going to be, I think, the the big takeaway from this episode. But I did want to go through and discuss each individual building. Mm Um, you know, drop me a DM on Instagram and tell me this was a bad <laughs> idea if you feel like it. But I, I think it was important to lay a good foundation we can build on top of it and hopefully get some, 
some good juice out of it. No, I think we got it. Paint me a word picture, Henry. And you're feeling free to jump in on here if you have any thoughts about these individual buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start in Fragment East, which is kind of the more poppin' mm-hmm. fragment. It's kind of the, the hot one. Um, but we're going to work through the buildings from east to west on Fragment East. And the first building on that trajectory is the Eastern Two-Story Long Building. Um, this is a really interesting one. All these buildings are other places on the map. Um, we land here uh, occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, this is normally do you have the, any tips for landing Yes, on? this is normally the building I actually end up going to when we drop in groups of threes. Um, and so the first tip I'll give is I'm going for the uh, patio door on the second floor. Um, because if I'm aiming for that, there is a rare to high tier loot drop on the roof at times. And so I like to be able to see what it is to know if it's worth landing on the roof and grabbing. The only issue is if you commit every time to landing on the roof and grabbing, you can run into issues if someone else drops in that building with you, um, because then they'll be able to loot everything else faster. So I only grab that thing on the roof if it is high tier. Uh, before then working my way inside and meeting up with Henry at the next building. Yeah, I think this building is really nice. Um, Another just kind of looting uh, theory is you don't want the loot to be too spread out. Mm -hmm. And just because it takes longer to loot, you're more separated from your team. um, And it's just this kind of more difficult. But this building is really fun. I'll just say that it's going to be hard if it is contested because it is kind of a larger building. Mm-hmm. And then the tip I'll have is second story, there's a vehicle that you can climb on in order to shoot through the window. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not the first one there, that can be kind of a good initial hit to shoot them through the window and drop down, pop in the door and climb up onto the second floor, finish them off. Yeah. I if think, all goes well. I think that's a good thing to note though for a lot of buildings though in Mm -hmm. the city in general um you know a lot of uh spots have climbing areas to access those windows and people are never ready for you to shoot in through the windows it's definitely one of the tips i think overall when it just comes to being more successful in that drop especially if you're a rev main if you're a rev main you can hit some crazy window shots um i've seen people like climbing to windows that I didn't even know you could perch up on and shoot through. And so definitely be aware of the windows when you're dropping in this city environment. Huge tip. Next building is going to be the Northeastern three-story building. Let me quickly interject. (laughs) We also created a map for our own reference and we'll be posting it on the Patreon uh, for free for Mm -hmm. all of our great loyal uh, subscribers that will be helping and it's all labeled so you can follow along really easily but the northeastern three-story building right next to that two-story long um it's got some loot mm-hmm. it's one of the more complicated buildings but it's nice and compact which i like and um, there's the entrance on the third floor though and so you do need to be aware of that for you know revs and pathfinders and octanes mm-hmm. anything that have that ability to get up there in a quick amount of time Because you can go from thinking, okay, we just got to watch these steps if a team's below us to getting hit in the back really fast, really quickly. 
and you're kind of in danger of the high ground coming from the train station. Mm-hmm. Honestly, they have some really good picks for that second and third story uh, on this building. But if you can loot it and then kind of get on out of it kind of quickly, um, I, I think it's okay loot Definitely. Uh, for one person. And after you leave that building, I'm going to recommend you go to the bigger three-story building right mm-hmm. next to it in this kind of community, this three uh, building group uh, is one that we actually recommend. So maybe we're going into it in more detail than we will others. Mm-hmm. But this larger three-story building is one that I really like. Uh, a lot of the initial fights happen in and around this building. Mm-hmm. Um, you also get a lot of and, people fleeing from the middle areas to this fight, which is another way mm-hmm. to wipe up some easy kills and finishes. Absolutely. And what you were talking about, about uh, climbing up and mm-hmm. being aware of those uh, windows and kind of second or third story entry points. This bigger three story, that third story is not only accessible to Revenant and Octane, but also if you climb up on that long two story building, mm-hmm. you can just hop right up there. And so you're definitely, you don't necessarily have high ground advantage on this building. Have to be very cautious and aware at all times at fragment definitely specifically with this building it's a good one to control in Mm -hmm. my opinion though definitely i agree 100 percent. and then some might say there's a fourth building in this group Mm -hmm. i kind of we put a separate an outcast Mm -hmm. um it is very close by but it's the southeastern two-story um it has a bit of a larger blueprint Um, It's kind of separated from these three by pretty much a concrete hedge. Um, And so there is kind of a a border, Um, but it's nice. The only downside is if you're dropping in squads and you're a third teammate, you're kind of far away Mm -hmm. uh, if those other three buildings were contested. But there's decent loot here and there's something to say for being a little bit uh, removed from that initial fight. Yeah, Um, This building isn't, typically very contested you definitely won't feel set up if you go there as your main building off the rip that is uh one thing for sure yeah it's it's something to definitely consider um the next building we could even probably do a whole segment on but (laughs) it's pretty much the east fragment train station yep this building is really big Um, you got four entrances on the bottom level you got stairs that go up to another level and then you can enter from above on both sides from another staircase. There's a lot of interesting fights that happen in this area for sure. Yeah, and you can climb up mm-hmm. to the second, to the roof, to the roof. of the platform. Yeah. Um, and we're not even talking about the fact that Pathfinders, a lot of legends get up on the glass roof that's broken above everything and shoot down on everything else. So... There's a lot of layers and levels to this uh, POI, and I will real quickly just say that it is not one that Henry and I drop at, just because yeah, there's... okay, I'm glad, yeah, you, I'm glad you said that. There's too many uh, ways to be attacked from at this building, and so this is one that Henry and I will normally rotate into to clean up rather than land at, because I know it is a popular landing spot for a lot of casual players understanding that it is a very uh, high risk area Mm -hmm. is important it's also big 
that doesn't necessarily mean that three people are going to get fully set up here. Mm -hmm. And so because it's kind of spread out, the loot is spread out and it doesn't have uh, just a ton of it means that if you're going here, I'm going to recommend you play caustic Mm -hmm. because caustic can really defend that second floor. Um, I think it's a tough one. I wouldn't land directly on here, but you're definitely going to be passing through Mm -hmm. uh, if you're, if you're in fragment. Definitely. Next building is the three story with stairs. It's kind of on the Southern side of East fragment. I really like this building. This is a good Um, building for loot. Like it's a solid building. mm -hmm. You know, it's three whole stories with some loot, uh, down on the ground floor. Um, I love that Octane can jump pad onto the second and third floor, which mm-hmm. is really nice uh, little flank. Um, I will say it's just a kind of a nice building. It has those exterior staircases, which are nice cover uh, to shoot and kind of just see what's happening mm-hmm. uh, around the rest of East Fragment. Um, but even though, you know, those windows and patios are kind of uh, kind of an exposed point, uh, I do feel kind of safe mm-hmm. uh, in this building just because you have the doors from the staircases and then the patio. Uh, it doesn't seem like you kind of have all your angles covered, but you do. You can only be attacked from two different sides, mm-hmm. uh, which is not really true. On A most lot of buildings. In fra- yeah, yeah, exactly. Couldn't have Maybe said it better. None. I don't know. Yeah, there's. This is definitely one of the safest ones. I mean, if you are playing one of those defensive legends that you know you can hold an area for for a temporary amount of time in fragment. Yeah. Nothing lasts forever. Not in fragment. fragment. No. Um, next building is kind of going to be the main focal point, uh, of East fragment. And we refer to it as the hell building. Yeah. H E double hockey sticks, man. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, it's a complex building. You know, Mm -hmm. you have a rope in the elevator shaft. Uh, you have a full staircase, uh, inside, uh, many floors, Four floors lots of yeah. patios. Um, the thing that took this building one. and made it so much more difficult from previous seasons was completely opening half of it and yeah. making you know the north side of the building completely vulnerable uh, to being shot. You know, snipers, ARs, anyone with a good shot that can laser you, um, you're vulnerable from a lot of positions here. Despite that, though. Taking the roof of this building and a fragment fight is going to grant you a pretty serious advantage over everything else because you're at the highest point on that fragment east side. Yeah, it's certainly uh, a position of high ground and power. Um, You just honestly have to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been a lot of games where we have gotten up there and felt pretty confident. And a team just kind of started slamming us mm-hmm. because the whole building's open. And some teams get incredibly aggressive with zip lines and jump pads and will assault uh, that rooftop. And it can be hard to counter. This building um, is the third party. Like, you've really always got is. another team coming when you're here, we for sure. a whole other show called The Fifth Party. <laughs> just all about this one building, the hell building. It's, I, oh, I will man. say... I don't know if you're going to back me up on this, okay. but we don't really drop there as a trio, mm-hmm. but I will say that you can drop there as a duo more. So when I played in a, I played in a duos tournament, uh, maybe a month or two ago, 
uh, with you know one of our listeners and friends, Jordan, and we it was a kill race tournament, and so we uh, and we had five games. First two were pretty bad, and so we started dropping there uh, off rip, and we're able to you know seriously rack up some kills. And when it's two of you, your loot is really nice off the rip, and you can if you're in sync and staying together, you can get those armor swaps and reject those third parties but it is it's a tough one but for high kill games as a duo it can be seriously effective and fun yeah i i kind of just think that it is better for duos because you can kind of fight back to back um which is really important in these highly contested buildings and i don't know i just haven't felt like we've had success as a trio mm-hmm. just because three people can't really land on one floor together and so it essentially means that at least one person is going out alone. And in trios, that might mean they're going three on one mm-hmm. with no loot. And so I don't necessarily think that's a great recipe for success and consistency. But duos, I think that dropping directly on the hill building is something that you can refine and have a little bit of success with. Definitely. I think that's fair to say. Next building is the three-story with courtyard building. Uh, right next to the three-story stair building. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one that I really like to drop at. Um, it's a larger floor plan, um, pretty much exactly identical to the second building that we uh, mentioned. I like it. It's got a good amount of loot. It's protected by that courtyard and kind of a big concrete hedge mm-hmm. and even bigger one. Um, so you have some nice cover and separation from the hell building. Um, I, I like this building a lot. It's a good one. Um, Easy escapes, you know, right onto those train tracks, getting out of there up the hills, onto the zip line, getting in the West Fragment, and an easy push onto that hell building if you need it. So there's a lot of options yeah. there. And you have visibility mm-hmm. to West Fragment as well, mm-hmm. which is really nice. So you can hit that zip line and get out of there, get on the tracks, go to the hell building, move over to the stair building. So just like you said, lots of options here. Next building, uh, we're going to call it a ramp room and it's pretty much the destroyed fallen over building. The one attached right on to the, the bridge. Lava. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ramp room just because there's a ramp, uh, down, uh, to the first floor and then a, a ramp two level to the ramp. roof. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you recommend dropping on this one? I wouldn't drop here. You're no way to escape. You know, if you get a bad drop and then you have to run away you're probably running into another team either direction because you're running the two of the more contested areas and you got a bridge that kind of traps you uh the thing i will say about this building um, from a fighting perspective it's another one of those guys where fighting through a window is going to get you some serious Mm -hmm. serious damage um and this is the building in the east fragment that has the survey beacon and so it's definitely one that we end up rotating through uh quite often when we're playing in competitive uh, plays. Yeah, I think the loot here is kind of hit or miss. I mm-hmm. can typically come through here and get a weapon. And that's what um, happens when it's set up. bins really up top, you know? Mm-hmm. The bins, as much as the bins are kind of like a, a mystery goodie bag that you get at birthday parties, mm-hmm. it's a risk. It's just a risk. You want to get that armor that you can see with your eyes, that you trust. And the bins can kind of bite you in the butt. Next, last kind of structure on uh, Fragment East, bridge. Yep. 
top side and then inside or below the bridge kind of distinct areas um you're not necessarily going to be dropping right on top of the bridge you know again it has bins mm-hmm. which i'm just telling you be wary about bins always open bins especially now that there's crafting but yep. don't rely on a bin for refining your drop especially here because everything counts mm-hmm. um i don't know not much more to say. You're going to no. be passing through the bridge, mm-hmm. uh, controlling it, getting eyes on it so you know when people are crossing it. We like passing through um, the top rather than the bottom. That's just personal yeah. preference. feel like there's a bit more escapability on that point and more vision. But yeah, not a ton to say really about the bridge. Um, we're just going to keep cruising along. We're in Fragment West okay now. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Next is the third party house. Um, we were actually able to do some sprays and actually claim this as the third party house. We talked um, to the devs, talked to EA, you know, it's officially the name. If you open up the mini map, should be there in the coming days, you know, no big deal. It was expensive, but Shay and I are kind of interested in real estate and I think this was a great first property. It's where all of the Patreon money went. That's all I got to say. Like, (laughs) I didn't know that. Oh my gosh. I guess that was an investment. Oh man. But yeah, we're talking about that house right across the bridge. We're going to be working through Fragment West, uh, East to West. So same direction, sweeping across this area. Third party house is one that we really like um, because even though it's small, it's a little bit removed from mm-hmm. east, and it does have decent loot. You can drop there with three people, um, kind of divide it up however you like, and it's got floor loot, it's got two bins, and then you kind of have some options to substantiate your loot by crossing the bridge, under the bridge, and then those respawn bins, uh, the respawn beacon bins. Or rotating into the next area, which we'll talk about in mm-hmm. a second here, which is called the flat market, but we only go about that way if it's uncontested. Do we want to just jump yeah. into that one right now then? Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And we are really going to go that way if either we're too scared of going into East and we didn't get great loot mm-hmm. um, or if we see something really exciting mm-hmm. over there. And in this whole flat market area, it's also where the crafting station or the replicators yep. are going to be here. Um, so that's an interesting place to hold down. Uh, you might be able to get an early devotion or upgrade your armor a little bit get some ammo you know you guys know the gist about crafting we've gone over crafting plenty of times this is uh not a spot to stay though not a long-term camping area it's similar to the train station on the other side in that people can just come at you from so many different angles here yeah and the fact that it's on a one-story plane means that you can't really defend it Mm -hmm. it's in the middle of a very urban environment, but it's not a very urban building. Yeah. Like it does have some nice walls, um, but there's every angle hey, is vulnerable. Once they so it's fixed gonna be tough. the fridge glitch, there was nowhere to camp there. <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, major throwback. Um, moving northbound, though, we have the two story with wall building. Um, This is a bit different than its counterpart in Fragment East. Mm -hmm. Um, It has a staircase on the exterior Mm -hmm. to get you to that second floor. And then that wall, like we said in the description of it. Um, I'll just say that this building and the next building, um, the northern three-story building, are not as popular of drops. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And there's probably a reason for that. There might not be a ton of loot there because there's only two buildings. Yeah. But they're all right. Like, I think if maybe you want to ease in to going into Fragment, this is an okay place to drop and then cruise through that flat market, check out uh, the third party house. Mm -hmm. And I can kind of advise it, not as like a dominant drop, but as something to maybe consider if you're not as confident. I really don't think this is going to be an ultra contested drop area here in Fragment West. This is Fragment 101. Like, this is the beginner level. Entry level course. Yeah. So yeah. I think this is a good place to go. Mm-hmm. They're easy Passable class, yep. Yeah. Like there's no set due dates. Mm-hmm. You pretty much can turn in assignments whenever you want. Um, so definitely check out uh the northern three story and the two story wall fragment one oh one. Definitely, definitely. Next you have the uh western big three story. Again, much like its eastern counterpart. Very very um, much the same. I really like these ones. Mm-hmm. I really do. They're a little bit bigger of a floor plan. And so that's kind of a drawback. Not as big as others that I dislike. Um, but I just like the height. I like that it's three stories. I like the angles on this one. You have a lot of good visibility for that flat market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can also see into uh, the third story of the adjacent larger building, yep. uh, which I really think is a good look there. One thing to note, as I just did it recently on accident, was I was able to jump from the roof of the building next to it onto the third floor of that building. And so you do have to be a little bit wary of people coming in at you from that uh, back entrance, I guess. Yeah, let's talk about that elevator, four-story, big building next to it. This is, it this is, is a drop spot. A cool one. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is one of Henry and I's favorite spots. How many floors do you know? It's got four. Okay. Um, it's big and crazy. Like it's got the elevator and there's a rope there. It's got a lofted ceiling on the first floor mm-hmm. with a lofted second floor, which is really nice kind of hidey hole if you need to heal or mm-hmm. kind of escape a fight. Then you have a zip line coming in from the north on the roof. And then... Every single floor above the first floor has a patio, which can, if you're skilled and you're a pro climber, like Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. you can pretty much scale this building Classic Tom. outside. Classic Tom. So this building's kind of a lot uh, to bite off. It's a hard one to master, but I think, like you said, we do like this. It has enough loot. Loot is not a problem. It has that overlook on the rest mm-hmm. of the, you know buildings around it and if anybody wanders into the open you know trying to go from building the building if your team's up there on top with some g7s you're definitely dealing out some serious damage to people and it's nicer than dropping in the hell building Mm -hmm. because it's not destroyed so you can actually defend it with any defensive legend and really do some cool stuff there um so i think we can definitely recommend this one um, next is going to be the two-story garden building. Mm-hmm. It's kind of central in West Fragment. Um, it's hard to say if I like it or dislike it. Um, well, it's similar to it's the very pastoral. first building, but the fact that there's not a third building next to it limits its drop capability and, like you were saying, turns it into more of a pass-through. 
Yeah. Um, but a lot of fights are going to happen here. It is a pass through. Um, and so it is kind of cool, but the fact that it has a courtyard kind of allows for some cover and it has some walls facing the flat market. Mm-hmm. Um, it's central, which is good. Um, but landing directly on here, uh, might not be advisable. Definitely. Next building is going to be, uh, the two story. Um, and it's kind of the longer one, similar to that initial building that we were doing. Same story, pretty much identical. Just like you were saying, it doesn't quite have buildings next to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's harder to really hold down, uh, but it's not one to to completely ignore. It's got some decent loot. I feel like people go on the roof here a lot on this building, and I would not recommend that because the taller building just north of it has serious shots on you if there's people there. People do go on this mm-hmm. roof, Shay. I don't know why. We picked up there a is, lot of kills there. Like, like, it's a weird one. I really don't quite understand it. And it's hard to assault that elevator four-story building. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, the only advice is don't go on that roof and instead, like, make your way into the building. Mm-hmm. Bangalore smoke, Gibraltar shield, portal, whatever you got to do to get in there. Um, yeah, don't go on the roof and try to shoot up, ever. Definitely not here. Not here, no. Um, next is going to be the Western three-story building mm-hmm. that is on the train track. Kind of a uh, unique feature of it. Um, it's compact. It's got decent loot. Interesting ramps coming through that longhouse uh, to get onto that uh, third floor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cool one. It's got you know, kind of limited visibility, um, but it is on the outskirts. So it's kind of a nice place to maybe fall back to heal up get a little extra loot. Something about this building. It never goes well for me when I'm there. I don't know what it is. Like I have no problems with it, but I'm telling you, I think partially because of its location and it's being a retreat from the next building that we'll talk about and an intro from the first couple buildings. I just end up contested here with so much and I die a lot. Well, I don't think you're alone in thinking that it's a difficult building. Mm-hmm. It's the more compact three-story, mm-hmm. and this one has direct access on the third floor to flat ground, yeah. essentially. So if you're on that second floor, you're in hot water. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can get sandwiched really easily, and that happens a lot because people can come in from the third floor, the bottom floor, and that second floor patio. And so it's kind of a recipe for disaster uh, if you're hoping to defend this building. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's all we'll say about that. Caustic. I, Caustic. I guess that wasn't very uh, optimistic. Hey, we'll be more optimistic about this spot, though. Last but not least. Last Fragment West is Watson's house. Um, this is the huge the big, building. Yeah, Two elevator shafts with the zip lines. We couldn't afford it. <laughs> If we get a couple more patrons, maybe we'll try to put an offer on it. If you guys get that annual membership, man, we might have to invest. (laughs) Well, who knows? Watson's house is like kind of the dream property Mm -hmm. for us. Um, But it's big. It's bad. Uh, It's certainly a power position uh, and fragment. It is very removed. It has a lot of open land around Mm -hmm. it. Um, And so pretty much all the fighting is going to happen interior. 
Um, but if you're on the roof and you can control those points of entry with all the zip lines, um, you have, you know, the best visibility uh, and fragment mm-hmm. and lots of options to uh, exit, uh, which is really nice. Yeah. It's, and we call it Watson's because Watson can just control this thing like crazy. You know, four zip li- or five zip lines can get you up onto the roof, you know, 12 fences. That really uh, lets your team defend that area pretty well. Shout out to Caustic, though, as well, who can also put up a pretty dang good defense in this roof of this building as well. Absolutely. And this is a building that is like, it just takes time to master. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly. Uh, and I think one of our first games on the stream last week, we kind of did some dancing around and up this building, mm-hmm. understanding that each floor is actually completely unique mm-hmm. uh, and has different areas on it. It's not, uh, you know, synchronous the entire time. Yep. Um, really allows you to understand the cover and how to get up through each floor. Some floors they have, you know, both the elevator shafts and some floors have an extra zip line, like different ways to jump in and out to climb up. It's complicated, but one to, one to focus on. Do you drop there though? You know, it's, it's definitely a, a popular drop. Um, yeah. And I think if you're solely looking for high kill games, if you are able to grab your own floor, you can have success there. I don't think it's a spot I could go out on a limb and recommend though for longevity and success. It's a spot I like to rotate into and clean up after people have already taken some damage. Well put. You know, it's a large building, mm-hmm. so that means the loot is spread out, yep. you know, and if you don't beat somebody to that first weapon, you have a long way to run with your back turned in order to get to that next uh, weapon, which is something that st- you got to keep that in the front of your mind, yep. you know, on surviving the drop. Um, definitely a fun building, definitely a powerful building. Your team has to be on lock uh, if you're trying to drop here, though. Yep. Let's go over some of our drop locations, though. Some third-party podcast recommended stamp of approval notarized spots. Yeah, so if you're following along with the Patreon map. It's going to be a lot easier. The first one, <laughs> yeah, the first, and these are going to be circled in blue for y'all. But the first one is the most southern two buildings. And this is in Fragment East. Mm-hmm. So the the three-story stairs building and then the little garden patio building next to it these are really great just because they give you options they're on the outside Mm -hmm. um, they got plenty of loot they're a bit more secluded you know everybody jumps into the hell building like crazy people and so being able to kind of be separated from that and then to move in uh when you feel comfortable that is recommended Mm -hmm. definitely that's a good spot for sure love that one Next grouping is going to be that Eastern three, those first three buildings that we discussed. Mm -hmm. You know, it is scary. And I think this is maybe one of the hardest ones to master because essentially you're going to be going one per building Mm -hmm. here. Um, You know, maybe you can double up on one of them, but you will have to loot all three of these in order to secure, uh, you know, that side of the train station. Um, we like this one though, cause it's, I do, yeah, I do yeah. like it. it's close enough and everyone's close enough to each other that if someone does get dropped on by another person, you can reinforce very quickly. The access to each building is right there. 
And then the additionally, the other thought I'll throw out there is if, you know, Henry and I like to scout the who was landing around us as we're going down. If your team drops in these three buildings and you see a team or a solo or a duo drop in the building directly south of it that's on its by itself, we like to push that building immediately because you know they're going to have not great loot and be outnumbered. Absolutely. And the, nice, and the other nice thing about this trio is because it's on the outside, you do have the option to bail mm-hmm. and go more east to that unnamed location yep. where you can regroup, loot up a ton, and then come back through Fragment, which is something I really like to do when maybe you get a rough start, don't get the first gun, you have to bail mm-hmm. out. You do have the option uh, with this drop spot. Definitely. Then the third recommendation is going to be a third-party house. Great spot. Um, you know, two people up top, one below, has some nice floor loot, as well as the two bins on the roof. Mm-hmm. We it's already said those rotations. That. Yep, that's a good one. That's great. And then the Northwestern Elevator, uh, that big uh, building that we were talking about with all the excitement, mm-hmm. the high ground on the northern side, great place. And then also dropping in those kind of centralized buildings in West Fragment uh, can be difficult, but uh, does allow you to kind of have some options. Nice visibility to see what's happening at the flat market, what's happening at the elevator building. So those are our recommended drops. Visibility is king. Like it really, really is for sure. Um, yeah. And then yeah, once you've dropped, essentially, what direction are you heading? Uh, most of the time you're just going to be coming into the middle mm-hmm. and there's three real focal points of fragment. Uh, the first is really going to be the hell building. Like if you land anywhere in fragment East, uh, your head's going to be on a swivel, mm-hmm. but you're going to be looking directly there and really making moves to secure that power position mm-hmm. at some point. Like we said, take the roof. If you can take the roof mm-hmm. there, you're going to have an advantage. That's definitely the key to being successful at that building. Absolutely. And then if you're going to land on the northern end of Fragment West, the focal point, it's not necessarily a power position, uh, but is that flat market. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to be looking that direction because that's probably where most of the combat is going to be. And then finally, Watson's house is going to be that last major power position and fragment that you're going to be looking at Mm -hmm. and most likely moving towards, whether it's someplace you have to go uh, for the ring or just to kind of secure uh, Fragment West uh, in its entirety. Definitely. Yep. We like fighting up above on the little, uh, there's a, it's a rock, I guess, the road that's been just kind of like pushed to be slightly higher than the flat market. And that's like one of the spots we like to attack from if we can. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good extra tip. Um, we're, this is a big episode. Shay. Big episode. And we're we're um, we're getting close to done though. We're getting close to done. Yeah, but this is just jam packed information. Now some extra tips on urban combat. I love that Apex is mm-hmm. so diverse and the maps. You know, why I do lots of different stuff. But urban combat is just different. And I was hoping that we could give a, a little bit of advice as to just overall gameplay tips for playing in these kind of crazy yeah, drops. Yeah. I think the first thing to go over then is the weapons. You know, 
in this urban environment, those close range weapons are going to really thrive, you know, when going room to room, switching floors on zip lines really quick, as fast as possible. Um, that strafe speed is going to be really big indoors. Any kind of little advantage you can create. And with that, Henry and I's favorite, you know, close range weapon, the Prowler, Prowler King. Uh, we love getting the Prowlers. And while Henry and I are not the biggest shotgun people, in fragment fights, when people have little to no armor at times, it can be huge if you're running around with a Mastiff and you can hit a hundred shot. And if that person didn't pick up armor, that's a knock and you were able to take zero damage, you know, that can really alter a fight. And so having a shotgun in that urban, urban environment for quick picks and then retreating uh, can be really nice because that's really the spot the shotgun's going to thrive the most when you're in incredibly close quarters environments. Absolutely. Well put. The weapons, you know, this is a battle royale. You don't have absolute mm-hmm. choice over what weapons you use, but just keep in mind that even though we're recommending that you fight for those rooftops and power positions, that doesn't necessarily mean that snipers and ARs are really going to be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can get some initial picks, kind of keep people back with that longer range, the G7s, um, but most of the actual combat is going to be in your face, door to door. Like So keeping SMGs, pistols, shotguns is honestly going to be the most advisable loadouts mm-hmm. for dominating here at fragment what would you say when it comes to legends to choose got any favorites yeah i mean it's tough um grabbing high ground is really key Mm -hmm. so i do like pathfinder and octane but when you're talking about urban combat i like all the defensive legends you know watson can be really useful early game Mm -hmm. with those fences to block off those elevator shafts um same with caustic i love caustic in the city i love them it's kind of what I do recommend, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but another kind of shout out, this is where Revenant was designed for. Mm-hmm. Like essentially in the briefing room, they said, we want a legend for season four. We're going to mess up Fragment mm-hmm. and this guy's going to come in here and surprise people on those second and third stories. And he does that. And so <laughs> pretty good legend for that. And with that kind of defensive silence that I like, um, you can really hold buildings with him as well. So all legends are good, but I think lean towards those defensive mm-hmm. legends and the people that can climb or jump. Get or tight. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Next thing is door control. Very important to note that, you know, if you're running away from somebody or someone's on the other side of a door, you can stand right up against that door. They won't be able to open it. It's going to take two kicks to destroy the door. And if the other person is kicking it down, you're going to have a pretty significant window where you can shoot them before their gun is going to get up. On the other hand, if you're attacking rather than kick, I think Henry and I would recommend the grenade. If you have them, especially that thermite, because you can get a serious chunk of damage mm. off uh, pretty quickly mm. with it. Absolutely. I'm just in urban combat, understanding how those basic doors work is really important. Um, you know, destroying them versus not destroying them, opening them for cover and shooting points. It's a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to door control, mm-hmm. but just practicing that and not not playing away from doors, but leaning into them, learning them, loving them. Uh, I think it's a really nice tip. Next tip 
is just the rope defense of those elevator ropes. Audio. Um, yeah, you got to be locked in and to know not only how to defend them when you're on the floor and you don't want them to exit on top of mm-hmm. you, but also traversing in between them. You know, when you're playing cat and mouse, using the rope, monitoring the rope, uh, jumping off, repositioning. Uh, it's definitely an art form. I yeah. think this one. Oh, when uh, people are good at it, it is beautiful to watch, you know, especially in those pro play games. Like they navigate that thing so quickly, even especially on very, PC. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Very acrobatic. Like mm-hmm. I just have this image in my mind of Wraith, you know, yep. phasing and zipping and ducking behind and just very uh, fluid movement is really useful in these uh, larger buildings and fragment. Last but not least, we have communication. You know, communication in Apex is incredibly important already, but cannot be overstated in urban style combat. You know, the window to attack and retreat is much more narrow than any other type of fight. And so you and your teammates really need to be in sync to have consistency in an area that is not meant for consistent play. You know, on mics with the pings, like you got to be locked in together, have your drop pattern refined like we were talking about earlier, but just constantly talking because there's going to be a lot of call outs that are incredibly important. You know, how many teams are around you? You don't know. So talk about everything you see, make the calls on when to go and when to leave and be decisive. It all comes down to that, that teamwork Mm -hmm. and working together. This is a very hard place to drop, but can be very rewarding if you're all working together and on the same page. Definitely. Any last thoughts on Fragment Survival? I think we covered it pretty extensively. I think we you got know, a if lot. anything we missed, mm-hmm. feel free to let us know. Um, but I think this is a really great entry point to improving that drop overall mm-hmm. and surviving Fragment. With that, though, we're going to wrap it up now by answering some questions from the gram. You know, we got a lot of awesome submissions. Thank you to everyone that, you know, submitted a question. We're going to cover as many as we can today. But as you guys, you know, still with us know, we're already at a pretty long episode right now. And so we couldn't get everybody's question. And a lot of you guys asked some uh, similar questions. So we're going to try and cover those all in the you know one foul swoop. You want to start us off with the first one, though? Yeah, first question is, what would be the best addition, change, or fix to Apex going from Blurries, S-Tamps, and Danny Boy? Yeah, um, I actually, uh, this is something interesting. I saw something about this Good. online on Twitter, and I think it's a very interesting point. You know, we have a lot of complaints about bugs in the game. You know, we saw Ring Logic really impact the global series in a significant way. You know, footstep audio, obviously a concern for a lot of people still bugs in general, Loba's bracelet, that kind of stuff. Um, And so something that uh, Tom Clancy, Rainbow Six Siege did was they did what was called a, um, it was like a medical season, essentially. And they took a season for, you know, regular gameplay, continued what was previously happening, did pretty much came out and said, we're not adding any new content for this season. We're going to spend this season fixing and tweaking everything that is even the tiniest issue in this game and trying to perfect it. And I just think looking at the streamer and competitive scene of Apex, I think them coming out and doing something like that 
would be really good for the mojo over there. Well, I think it is something that won't happen because in the end it's a business and they want to make money and content makes money. Uh, it could be really helpful for the game doing something along those lines. And kind of like how Henry and I have talked about a lot, being just open about it, like fix the issues and just tell us that there's issues. And like, I won't have a problem with having a lack of content. If I know you're refining and perfecting the game that I already love, you know, beyond any other game for sure. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I would just like a bit more transparency as to what's going on internally. What's the roadmap? Mm -hmm. Like, where are we at? When are we having obstacles? Um, what can we realistically expect? Yep. You know, it's like at this point, I'm not going to take a break from the battle pass uh, based on, you know, a little bit less content or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I've even said in the past, I'm okay if there's not a new legend yep. every season. So and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Huge mm-hmm. thing. Like if you don't have to release a legend every season, that's a ton off your plate yeah. to be able to do other stuff, mm-hmm. at least in theory. And we've seen them with like one person being responsible for crafting. Like these teams are very small. Like, and so being mm-hmm. able to triage some other things in there that a lot of time these developers don't get to prioritize could be really nice. Yeah. And I like where Apex is at. You know, I don't really have any complaints. I'm not really asking for big additions or changes. Um, something that I'll, kind of say it's it's an opinion of mine but it's also just kind of a devil's advocate i'm not offended by bringing back the the cool skins Mm -hmm. that we've had in the past especially the rare ones i'm not like against that and like defending the ogs like us um but i do wish they would come out with some more original stuff yeah like right now we have the september soiree it's kind of a filler event um you know, I understand it's not original content, but I just feel like the last last couple of months we've been getting a lot of Repeat. re-releases, mm-hmm. and whether that's LTMs or skins or whatever, I don't know. I just I like Apex and I like what they've come up mm-hmm. with. Just do more of that. Yeah, exactly. The roadmap's there for sure. Mm-hmm. Great questions, guys. Uh, next question: full or full auto prowler coming from Matt. Uh, we've definitely, uh, dove in to both these weapons kind of extensively Mm -hmm. so far. Um, I think spoiler alert, Shay and I kind of, uh, are biased for the Prowler. I love it. It's a beautiful weapon. It's better than anything else that's ever existed. (laughs) That being said, yeah, I I have to agree. I am shocked that it kind of got above this season, (laughs) but anyway, um, that being said, don't sleep on the mm-hmm. Volt. Love the Volt. I've had some great games with the Volt. I enjoy it. I like the recoil. Um, it packs a punch. I think it's cool. Um, some key stats that I look at when comparing uh, the Volt and the Select Fire Prowler are the time to kill for the Volt is 1.37 seconds, and the full load Prowler is 1.26. That's Love it. a pretty substantial difference mm-hmm. uh, if these weapons are going head to head. But the bigger thing, in my opinion, is the clip size and the accuracy. Mm -hmm. In order to get a knock with full shields or purple shields, the Volt, you need to hit 13 out of 26 shots with a purple extended mag. That'd be 50% accurate. If you don't have a purple extended mag, 
you have to be a lot more accurate than 50%, which is quite a lot. Compare that to the Select Fire Prowler, which has 35 bullets, and you only have to hit 14 of those. Mm-hmm. You got nine more bullets, and you only have to be 40% accurate to get a knock. That 10% accuracy difference is huge. So I will lean towards the Select Fire Prowler all day, every day. But I do very much enjoy full auto guns. So if I don't have the attachments for the Prowler and I do for the Volt, I'm totally comfortable to stick with the Volt. I have nothing against it personally. That's perfect. That's exactly what I would have said. And that Volt, I really like the range on it right now. You know, a lot of people in the Global Series were rocking the Volt with the two times and using it like an AR. And I think it definitely has that kind of capability. Next, we kind of have a fun question for us. Uh, What are some great legend pairs for duos? And who pairs best with Octane and Mirage coming from all best 92? Great question. Great question. Yeah. I think looking at how legends work together is really fun. I know. Um, you hear, Henry, you got some answers for Octane and Mirage. So how, why don't you reiterate yeah, those? We can do yeah. that first. So Octane is really hard uh, to match somebody mm-hmm. uh, with him just because he's kind of go, go, go. And so I don't think you really have a choice uh, but to try to match it. We like to match it with Pathfinder Mm -hmm. just because that grapple can definitely uh, keep up the pace uh, with Octane and Bloodhound. Uh, Bloodhound in their ultimate is just pretty dominant, like need for speed to the extreme. Um, But if you do kind of want to balance out Octane, the perfect legend to balance anybody out, defensive or offensive, I think Bangalore mm-hmm. is a really great option because she kind of has that uh, teeter-totter uh, back and forth between pushing and defending, which I really like. So that's what I'll say about Octane. Mm-hmm. Mirage is fun. Mirage is hard as well, but Mirage is just create as much chaos and confusion as possible. One of my favorite combos last season was a Revenant Mirage combo. I think hitting the totem and then activating the mirage ultimate is really fun and is very intimidating and confusing you know bangalore as well with the smokes i know i get bamboozled in there um and so it's just kind of like if you're going to lean into the mirage you got to lean into the goofiness and the craziness and just the unpredictableness of apex in that way yeah it's a really good question you know we are a dynamic duo we play all the legends Mm -hmm. and i think everybody should Uh, I don't want to not answer the question, but you can work with any legend you want and making them work together, like feel free to use Rampart and Caustic together. Mm -hmm. Two defensive legends is okay, but also having some diversity, Wraith and Rampart, that's also really great and you can have awesome success. So One of the longtime duos that I think is kind of like the staple for work together is the Bangalore Bloodhound just with that smoke and vision. And that's definitely a good one I would try out if you haven't. All best 92. Mm. We love that. Maybe we should try that on the stream and really try to maximize it. We should. Uh, Next question. Is the alternator worthy of that main weapon slot? I think it has potential. Accuracy is 100. Oh, that's coming from the Adventure of Shu. Uh, Great question. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love the alternator. 
Um, I do occasionally use it as a primary weapon, but it does not have range. Um, the rate of fire allows me, and maybe yourself, uh, Mr. Shu, uh, to maybe just hit more shots with the weapon. Um, but the accuracy at range just doesn't really compare. Mm-hmm. This is an SMG. And so, you know, if you're looking for a primary weapon to be versatile, uh, to kind of traverse different terrain, probably going to want an AR, uh, as you might expect. But, and then if you kind of want a dominant SMG, the alternator doesn't really stack up against the Volt and the Prowler and a head-to-head. Or an R9 in the care package, yeah. It's, it's just tough. Like, I do use it as a primary sometimes, but it doesn't really have the range, and it is outperformed by other SMGs. But I will just say, do what I do, and if you have the attachments, like, if you have the extended light mag, do it. Like, it's kind of the same as the Prowler Volt question. Yeah. I, I use the alternator a lot, like I used, used to use the Spitfire, and that it carries the attachments for the R3 that I'm looking for, or the flatline that I'm looking for. And that's kind of my main use of it, but I don't mind using it early game at all. That accuracy is amazing. Yeah, well put. Last question for the day. Would you like wall running in Apex? Something like zip lines, where there would be specific walls you can run on, coming from zero bricks left. That's interesting. I like the concept of putting it in specific locations rather than just adding it to the game itself because doing that you would have to rework entire maps. It's kind of fun to play. I wonder like exactly what the usage of it would be, but it could be interesting for sure. Yeah, I, I like this idea as well. I think that it could work. Um, it'd be a really cool extra feature. Um, we know that maybe sometime this season we'll get those gravity wells Mm -hmm. or whatever they were called um just an extra mobility thing within the map i like adding stuff like this we've really struggled with uh zipline assaults so maybe Maybe assaults would be better the titanfall (laughs) experience might work there oh man that was a long one thank you guys so much for listening subscribe on apple pods leave a five-star review with your question we'll make sure to answer it on our next episode follow us on spotify Check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to the YouTube channel, Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream. Check out our Discord. Join the community via the link in the description. Thank you for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Catch you next time. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow.